Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the MMA Origin Stories podcast. This week, I'm joined by the boogeyman himself, Ben Farrelly. Please check out the sponsors of the show, Advantage Design and Build, Mauler MMA, and my man, Anthony Westall-Green. And as ever, to play us into the podcast is my good friend, Lewis Clay. Ben, thanks for joining me this evening, mate. It's been a it's been a, a little wee while since we've seen each other. I know we've uh, we've both seen updates on Facebook, like uh, like old families uh, who who drift apart, only seeing each other on Facebook every now and again. So, uh, how's everything been, mate? Been excellent, thank you, Michael, and thanks for having me on as well. It's a real pleasure. I've been enjoying the show. Oh, I'm really looking much. forward to this evening. Yeah, mate. Me too. Me too. Me too. So, um, so for those of you that don't know Ben, I'm not going to give him too much of an introduction because if you don't know him, you're out of order and you don't know the roots of mixed martial arts in the UK at all. So, uh, Ben, let's mate, let's go for it. Let's, let's, let's delve all the way back to, to when you was a wee lad, just, uh, just finishing your first, uh, uh, degree in parkour. And decided that you was going to get into uh, get into mixed martial arts. How did uh, how did it all start, mate? Where did it all begin? Uh, it was it was very early for me. I, I, I think um, my my I, I come from a big Irish family. When I was a kid, we lived in Birmingham, and um, my auntie Valerie Valerie Farrelly, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> would, uh, would ha- uh, my parents were very strict, so she would have me over uh, to come and stay with her. To watch yeah. the old Wigan fights back back in the day, and she was one of those crazy fans, you know, screaming at the TV. And we watched the, you know, I, I, I watched the big legendary fights in Mexico with um, McGuigan, and uh, I just fell in love with with boxing, I suppose. And then I was I was a wee kid as well. I, I was very little. I was very skinny. I was a poorly child. So my parents got me to do judo from the age of eight as well. And then from there, I just grew. I, I had a com- very competitive side. I, I liked to scrap. And, um, yeah, so I, I really sort of just got into judo and then messed around with karate. And uh, I pretty much went through every martial arts that you could, that I was allowed to as well. I wasn't allowed to do striking. So mm-hmm. I couldn't do that until I was older. And that's pretty much where it came from. I was an avid, in the 90s, an avid boxing fan. It was an incredible decade for boxing. Yeah. And I didn't jump on the UFC bandwagon as quickly as a lot of people. 
uh, because I didn't like a lot of the rule sets. I didn't a lot of it. I found a little bar, barbaric and stuff mm-hmm. until I started to really sort of understand uh, understand it. You know, then it started on Bravo TV in the UK, didn't it? Yeah. And that's when I found. then I just fell head over heels. BJ Penn came along, and and that was it. I was just I was swallowed by the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I always have a good story about um, about BJ Penn. He was he was the first he was the first fight my my now wife ever saw. So we we were lying in bed. I don't know, couldn't sleep. Got home from a from a night out, and um, she goes so so how, however long we've been dating for, and she goes um, so you're not drinking again tonight because you're training tomorrow morning. I was like yeah yeah this is Saturday night, and she goes um, we always used to train at uh, half nine on a Sunday morning, and she goes show me what you do then i was like oh okay and we f- i found bj penn was fighting and, and they were showing it on bravo the the only problem was it was bj penn versus gsp where bj penn got squished absolutely squished and smothered in blood and, sh- and she's yeah, <laughs> yeah and she's like you do this i was like well, not that good. I'm not. I'm not as good. I'm, not, I'm more like the little guy who's covered in blood than I am the the. the, the, the you like BJ Penn, Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like BJ Penn now. You know where he's old and, and got knocked out in a car park. Yeah. 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 <laughs> drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drunk, drunk and got beat up. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 me. That's my side of BJ Penn. So yeah, fat as well, out of shape. So uh, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but sorry, mate. Sorry. So yeah. So you you got into it in the early days of, of watching BJ Penn on on Bravo as well. Yeah, I think he was the one that really glued me. I mean, I was watching it, uh, but I think it was his fights like with Carlo and Din Thomas, where all of a sudden I I, I connected with the guy. I, you know, he's a small guy. He was not that I'm small. I'm I'm, I'm a big guy, but I appreciated yeah. what he was doing and and then seeing that jujitsu, which I didn't really understand. I hadn't had any involvement I didn't have any knowledge of that living on the Isle of Wight you know and uh and it was magical it was just yeah. magical to see what he was doing that guard of his and and but the boxing on top of it because I loved his boxing and just yeah he hypnotized me I'd say with his fighting and then I started to obviously notice the other fighters out there you know people like Chuck Liddell Randy Couture I really liked and and then I guess that led the way to Tuff, which, you know, already by then I I didn't miss it. You know, I was finding ways that I was watching all the old stuff by then. I was watching Pride and it really I became quite obsessed about about it. Boxing was boring at that point as well. So, yeah, I was just absorbing that and really getting into it. And then I. Uh, a jiu-jitsu group started on the island a brazilian jiu-jitsu group started on the island uh it, there was a a purple belt martin dell in charge of it and he was really you know he was really into it it was obvious where he was going as well you know obviously he's a black belt and we've got a few black belts on the island believe it or not and uh so i'd go along there to learn more to get the knowledge and uh yeah i just i think like many many other people i just got wrapped in wrapped into it and getting into the arguments with everybody you know no it's not it's not ridiculous it's not silly it's it's an amazing art i could see that i always yeah. fighting back from boxing you know i every little 
nuance in in fighting i i loved i i always wanted to be a good fighter although i couldn't compete because of chronic asthma and stuff like that but um i loved it and i just couldn't take my eyes off it and every flipping second that i had spare i was on the youtubes i was just i was on sure dog i was just watching it and and re-watching dvds re-watching fighters and yeah, it became it became very addictive to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so how did you move through? So, from a, being an avid fan of the sport and and watching the likes of BJ Penn, uh, Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, moving forward into the tough era as well, when we've 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 got um, Forrest and Stefan of of just lit the world alight as far as MMA is concerned because everybody there was people felt like that that they were putting out that viewing figures increased as the rounds went on because you'd be for I'd phone you and go Ben have a, get on this channel and watch this and you'd phone someone else and everybody would just just how did is, is that around the sort of time when it really you felt that it really started blowing up over here as well in the UK um it certainly picked up yeah. It was still difficult to get people to watch it by then, I think, you know. Um, I um, I mean, I was involved in chat forums and stuff where we <laughs> would discuss it bef- before that happened. But I guess when that happened, everybody was just like absolutely huge, massive. In, in fact, it was the likes of Conor McGregor and Wanda Rousey that really blew it up all around the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when did you when did you start getting involved in it more actively though, Ben? From a from like from the addicted side of it, or from blogging? Obviously, you was on the chat room forums. So um, that when when did it start moving forward for you? Well, I guess it was probably about seventeen years ago. A rough guess, seventeen eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mid two thousands sort of mark. Let's let's go to when Facebook started. Yeah, when Facebook, I was on Facebook quite a friend of mine um, from Canada had a group called Addicted to the UFC, yeah. and there was I don't know there was probably thirty people, yeah. and uh, I joined and I was you know I was quite outrageous. I was really quite offensive. A lot of those posts have been deleted over the years. I can tell you, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I was like the comedy guy in that group, and um, and that group really started to blow up. Uh, it was without a doubt the first MMA group on Facebook, and um, I, I tell you what. So it was when Facebook was different. So you'd have a group, and you could have different subthreads throughout it, and it was so addictive this group, and it was such a pleasure and so much fun. Although it was quite toxic as well, you know. There was still back then there was talk of noobs and stuff like that. That people would bunk off work. To hang out on this group all day that's yeah. that's what it was like and and we did it was brilliant and so that really started and then that group really starts to take off i i was made an admin quite quickly on that group because it was quite a popular poster you know quite offensive humor which the americans seem to like love they couldn't believe it yeah and on an international level you know before you knew it that that group had a quarter of a million followers and and it continued to group grow grow throughout the years and uh it was a real pleasure it's a lot of fun and then you know knowledge would come from there then all of a sudden we had fighters on there 
fighters yeah. were joining. I can remember people like Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell, uh, Tito Ortiz posting on there and and things like that. And then I guess the stage came when, obviously not the original UFC, which was in London, you know, the Ian Freeman, Frank Mir mm-hmm. one, but the, the next fight card, which was Manchester, I think it might be UFC 70. Was it uh, Birmingham, the next one? No, Manchester. Gabriel Gonzaga versus uh, uh, the Croatian killer uh, left foot. Oh, Prokop. Yeah, Prokop. Yeah, and then that, that happened in the UK. And I travelled up for that fight show. And um, and then it really, yeah. And then a lot of, a lot of UK-based people joined the group because it was pretty much, it was all Canadians and Americans originally. And then, yeah. Yeah, it really starts to take off, particularly in the UK as well. Loads of fans, Michael Bisping, started to draw a draw a crowd, and yeah, those those were really really good times. I don't think we'll see, well, we certainly won't see media groups as fun as that in the future because it was an open market. You could say what you liked, and it was up to us, the admins, to boot people rather than Facebook booting yeah. people. And, you know, that got ridiculous. We ended up losing that group about three years ago. Um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people on it. And Facebook just deleted it. And it was for something ridiculous. And it was for something along the lines of one of the admins telling somebody that they couldn't use certain words. And Facebook picked on them using those words. And then the group just got ended. It was heartbreaking. Because it was oh, such wow. a historic group. It was so historic. Yeah. yeah yeah it's um that's what that's what happens when people start to over censor things and and you, you can't even in an adult forum telling people you can't you you can't say fuck shit or bollocks you, you, you're not allowed to say it yeah the algorithm goes oh, he said fuck shit and bollocks then that's it cut them off cut them off at the knees yeah they're done so. history I, I mean all that history it was heartbreaking it's I mean, they've redone the group, but I don't think everybody's heart's the same. And, you know, it was, oh, you, you just can't. I look back at that. I look back at that group as such a fun time in my life. You know, it was it was something that made so many friends. You know, I traveled to Canada to to watch fight shows in America and met up with people from the group and stuff like that. And obviously, it's just gone now because of, you know, what happened. And, you know, I'm quite sensitive to um people not being upset and uh you, you know racism and homophobia and uh you, you know all of those things i've always been quite strict on that in my life but it's not really a place that broke those rules and if those yeah. rules were broken we had a we had a big community of admins you know we probably had nearly 30 admins uh, because the group was so large but you know, somebody comes on and, and, and says something, you know, says the N-word randomly or uh, says something uh, uh, about women or a minority or something like that. We have to be, you have to be there to delete it instantly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what tripped us. That's kind of what did us in the end. It was a group of quite like-minded people. But yeah, it was just gone. It just went and... We were all a bit devastated. We were all left a bit aimless after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, how when did it start with with you? Obviously, you've you've 
you'd started traveling around, you'd started watching more stuff. So uh, after UFC uh, in Manchester with with Gonzaga and Crocop, when did it start for you? Um, where did it start to move forward for there for you then? Would you with, on the media side uh, on 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 the website? Well, I guess um, so. I, I would chat with the other admins back at the time, and I'd be like saying, "Look, this this is really big. This group is so big and it's so popular. Why don't we just start a website? We can just put our thoughts down. We can have a chat room, um, and." Uh, you know, we 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 could make this bigger. We could we could have more fun with it. And sort of everybody was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So so I went out. I found a webmaster on the islands. That was a really bad idea. And um, we built our first website, Addicted MMA. And um, yeah, I think we all had sort of different ideas what we wanted to do, sort of thing. And but um, because because our Facebook page was so sort of big and there were so many sort of fighters on there. We started to get scoops, you know, we, we would get little scoops and and we'd put it on the page, we'd write something up, get an image on there and we'd put it on Facebook. And it started to really, really blow up way quicker than we could have, you know, imagined. You know, we probably went from like 80 views in our first week to, I don't know, within a week, maybe a thousand. And then, Within a month, I was I was pretty annoyed if I didn't wake up every morning to like a thousand hits on on the website. By the time I'd woken up in the morning, and and then I guess it just got bigger and bigger. And then we got more professional. We started to learn how to write, and then we started to get invites to go to fight shows, and and then the UFC just came knocking as well and invited us to. Um, I can't remember. I can't even remember. Um, that might have been BJ Penn um, in Newcastle. But yeah, all of a sudden we were we got invites to go there, which was crazy. Just getting an email like that because we never set out to be a journalistic news site. It was just it was supposed to be a blog. It was supposed to be a bit of fun, but it blew up really quick, and we loved it. We were all so sort of into it. We had writers from all over the world. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we just we were like, well, let's have a bit of fun. I was kind of like, you know, me and my wife, we were we had this hotel, but it was quite quiet back then. And I had time on my hands. I wasn't a, I wasn't a dad at that point. And uh, I was just like, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting around to a few shows and stuff. And then so we did that. And that just increased the popularity of the site. And um, yeah, that's it really. It just snowballed. It just got bigger and faster and quicker. And you know, in the UK at that time, there was there was two or three absolutely excellent journalistic uh, media sites, MMA sites in the country. There was uh, your MMA. There was Fight Lounge. Uh, one or two others. Then of course, there's all the big ones like Sherdog and stuff. And they're all putting out really good quality stuff you know and um we were sort of like the new kids on the block i suppose and so we wanted to do things a bit differently we didn't want to come across as professional we wanted to be the lads that we were on the facebook pages and yeah from then it just it just kept getting bigger michael it was <laughs> yeah 
sort of like out of my control. Are you, are you trying to tell me you wanted to be like the nuts or the zoo of the uh, of the, of MMA journalism? Is that what it was? You were just yeah, the lads. Know do you know what? One, one of our old guys, Steve Wicket, who was huge for us, he did start the bloody um, ring girl. He, he would interview a ring girl every week. Yeah. <laughs> and they would send photos. And it was bloody massive, mate. It was like... And, of course, we got... We got criticised for that. as well. Oh, it was a bit sexist and stuff. We didn't give a shit, you know. We didn't give a shit. We would go to these, um, we, we would go to promotions and we would hang out with the ring girls. We'd hang out with everybody. And we understood that, that you know, they're all just great human beings. You're, you're, you're a judge yourself. You're a ringside. So you mix with all these people. You know what it's like around these rings. Yeah. It's a big family, isn't it? It's great fun. We were making friends. We're having fun, and we wanted to promote and not promote, obviously, but we wanted to push everybody. We, we wanted everybody to get recognition. What was going on? So we did. We scattered it. We we were hitting everything. We were interviewing everyone, and and so people could have a real insight to what was going on in these shows and things. We were interviewing the promoters, judges, referees. We we did the whole lot. The fighters as much as possible. The amateurs. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was brilliant. You know, I'll never forget it. It was a great, great time. But of course, it was it was a tough time as well. And and we were criticised a lot. But we didn't let that get us down. We were having fun at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so what sort of... Um, when you guys started out on the road then and started going around to the, to the local MMA shows, what... Um, what... What was the catalyst to that then? What what started you really wanting to focus on the on the UK as opposed to where everybody else is shooting to try and get in with the UFC and maybe the Strike Force and and whoever the big shows were the big international shows at that point. What made you and your team in the UK start focusing on the UK MMA scene itself? Well, we didn't want to do what everybody else was doing anyway. We didn't want to fight over shared hits. Um, I mean, we we sort of, we, we did bizarre things like, you know, the media stories that get sent out to every page, uh, to, to every website. We were, we refused, you know, it's quick copy and paste. You could put that on your page. And, you know, no, no criticism to everybody else doing that. That's great, you know. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. It's also brilliant that promotions do that. But we just didn't want to do that. We didn't want our page to have all the same sort of stuff. So we we didn't i mean originally we did the ufc and we did all of that other stuff we got really early doors into the ufc we got access with them really really early and we got really well looked after but then a bit later you know when conor mcgregor and ronda rousey came along and we noticed all these guys coming through just reporting on them we sort of got a bit fed up and we killed off addicted to uh, addicted mma then we started the you know i hooked up with a good friend of mine james capper and we used some of the old guys as well. And Chris Emmanuel came on board and stuff. And we basically just focused on the um, the UK scene. We weren't worried about hits. We'd done all of that. We we knew we could do that if we wanted to. We knew we could write a bit differently. Um, we had, like, nuances in the way we did it. I mean, I wrote in a very outrageous style. I wrote completely bizarre articles that were incredibly popular. So we we thought we'd just focus on the UK, which is what we then did for a, a few years until 
we got to the end of that, you know, until we were all sort of ready to move on. But that's, I think, I just think that's where our heart was. You know, we could we could travel up and down the country. We could meet up. We could have a good time. You know, we we were we we would get drunk after these shows. We would have a great old time, and we'd have a brilliant time at the shows. And we were really well looked after by you know ninety nine percent of promotions as well. There was always open doors for us, and it was great fun. We met incredible people, and so. Yeah, the UFC thing, like, we lost interest to seeing guys come in just publishing story after story about Ronda Rousey or uh, uh, McGregor and stuff. And it was just like, these guys are hitting bigger numbers than us now. Yeah. Uh, And we're putting the work in. We were really putting the work in. So we were like, you know, screw that. Now We'll, we'll just stick to the UK and and that's that's where that decision came from. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were when you were out looking at these shows uh, and being parts of uh, like the the whether it be the Shock and Oars or the TMTs or or whoever else it was that we was we was all mingling and being part of, was there is there any key moments that stand out for you as far as you know what either particular shows that. That, that stand out for you that you remember now and look back on fondly like or or is there any fighters that you look back on and you think you know what I saw that person when they were making their amateur debut and now they're wherever they are or or the the one that got away that never quite made theirs is there any that that, that stand out for you for that Ben yeah loads, <laughs> loads <laughs> this is a funny thing you know I think a lot of promotions were so at war with each other. It was such a competitive scene that you'd be hearing terrible things about certain promotions and and, and stuff. And, and I didn't see a great deal of bad out there, if I'm honest. You know, there was a couple, maybe more than a couple. And I wouldn't go back again after seeing really bad mismatching and stuff. Uh, I don't know if I was just really lucky, but I... I was seeing really well-matched fights. I was seeing really good promotions. And, you know, Shock and Awe was a one really close to my heart because when I managed to get in the door with her, you know, Brian and Gareth, um, Brian Adams and Gareth Johnson, they they were very private and they um, they didn't want media there, but they were important. If you know what I mean, I'm from the Isle of Wight. Yeah. And so I was just banging on their door saying, let me in, let me in. And in the end, they did. And I, I went there and I witnessed an unbelievable fight, Rocky Williams versus uh, Alexi Roberts, which was incredible. And I always remember it. It's Rocky Williams, right? So his yeah. name's Rocky. <laughs> yeah. And, and this whole nightclub, like, because this fight was so insane. They were battering each other. And then I think Rocky was the underdog and just like Rocky. And then all of a sudden, he started to get the edge in this fight and this, it was in a nightclub and then the 300 people maybe were chanting Rocky, Rocky. <laughs> it was like watching a bloody film, mate. Honestly, it, it was moving. It was emotional. It was powerful. And something special happened that night, really. And I wrote a beautiful article about it. I was so proud. I think it was the first article that I wrote that I was so proud. And I gave him a new moniker. I called him the 
the the, the South Coast, um, what do you call it, man? Sorry, my brain. Cinderella sweet. man. Cinderella man, yeah. And that took off. And then Brian and Gareth invited us back, and um, and I, I started to cover their show diligent, uh, diligently and in a very creative manner. And it really shock and all blew up because yeah. you, you know it was not me. But Brian Adams' matchmaking in particular was insanely good and he had this wealth of talent that he was training because he was a very good fighter himself. And uh, well, you, you know, you, you work at Shock and Awe, you know, you know what it's like. It's, it's big. It's, it's really yeah. big. It's, it's not a northwest or a northeast or a west uh, or a, a West Midlands or a London show. It was in little old Portsmouth. And this show just felt amazing. And the fights that were getting put on were insane. I mean, probably the greatest domestic fight I've ever seen live was Benny Carr versus Kieran Rice. What a slobber knocker, as they say. Like, and you don't forget fights like that, do you? They they stay with you forever. And that show has TMT as well. You know what an amazing show that was. It was. Didn't have like the names of shock and all or something like that, but the atmosphere in the dome in Thorpe Park was yeah live loud the loudest music and everybody in that dome was so drunk <laughs> happy the happiest people loving every inch of every fight and appreciating it and singing and jeering yeah stuff like that was that was amazing. Mate, the guys when... on the guys on TMT. Sorry to to step over you there, Ben. The guys on TMT. Like I, I've I've been yearning, fucking yearning for TMT to come back. Uh, James, James and and James and that they won't do it now. It's 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 done. It's it's James and Brad. They're they're not going to bring it back. But I, I remember. So I I trained for a bit with James and Brad. Um and. They they got me on their first show over in Slough in the in the conference centre and then they moved it to the conference centre at Thorpe Park and when that it hit the dome pulled out the the the, the um, mother's milk David Lee I, I spoke to David about it on the podcast that was the first recorded mother's, mother's milk. milk in yeah, mixed martial arts in worldwide mixed martial arts yeah I was there to, mate I, I was the first <laughs> report on it <laughs> yeah it's amazing and I remember saying to Dave Dave about it I said Dave you put a speech out on the microphone saying that um uh what's his name um oh I can't remember his name again the war master he he tried to do it and failed and, and David oh, I'm the first person to do it and that uh, was it was just it was just amazing and and I remember so my my mate Mark, he used to work at Thorpe Park years and years and years ago, and he knew the manager who was on duty that night at um at the Dome. So the first night it's in the Dome. Yes. I mean, what an amazing venue to have it in the Dome at Thorpe Park. It, it can't hold the most amount of people. It's like 700 people or something deep. Those 700 people added. Uh, they they doubled. Bearing in mind, they used to have dance nights there, garage nights, fucking old school nights, whatever, big, big events there. It sounds that, like so insane. Oh, it was, it, was, um, it was just brilliant. That first, so TMT3 at Thought Park in the Dome, that doubled the record for drink, for bar sales um, 
that Thorpe Park had ever done up until that, that point. They double booked it. That was just, that was just yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that was you and you had to take it easy because you had to drive back to the hotel so yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah i'll tell you something interesting i'll tell you something interesting about that so we did a video of that night yeah yeah and we had john gooden hosting it yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, had, you know, we had john gooden host this whole video it's on youtube mate. it's called indigo fox go to tmt or something like that it's a wonderful wonderful video and yeah, yeah. john gooden from the ufc was hosting the whole thing it was amazing Mate, big, just, big interview with Alex Reed and all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alex was there, there as well that night. That was just um, that was just. I, I had loads of mates come along to that night because it was in Thorpe Park. I live, my I live spitting distance from Thorpe Park as it is, and um, so many of my mates locally went to it, and they were like, "We've never been to an MMA sh- show before. This is brilliant." Yeah, and what so just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, and we just we just don't really understand. But but like moving with that and and with with the guys and shock guys at Shock and Awe as well. Like I, I'm I've been on Shock and Awe coming up ten years now, so I've, I've it's it's my home show. It's it's if TMT ever came back, that would be my home show because of yeah, how close yeah. it is to home. But um, but the uh, the 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 um. Uh, Shock and Awe is my home show. I class that as my home show, and it's it's. I, I was more nervous. I was more nervous going to work on the first ever Shock and Awe that I worked on than I've been on any other show. I've worked on shows around Europe now, and that was the very, most nervous I'd ever been going on that show. Yeah, so. yeah, very very high standards at Shock and Awe, without a doubt. And uh, yeah. there's an air of intrepidation going on there, isn't there? And all the fighters take it so seriously and um, yeah very very strictly run show and and it works yeah. because uh, it's smooth it's probably the smoothest show you know there's what oh, richard shaw's pain pit was super smooth as well there was cage warriors and shock and awe i think for me the fastest moving shows out of all of them no time to breathe scrap after scrap all well matched fights yeah Shock and is one of the best, without a doubt. One of the best in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, mate. I, I, I'm privileged to be part of it, and privileged to be part of it for so long as well. So, mm. it's um, yeah, big shout out to Gareth and and uh, and Brian for that. But um, but sorry, mate. I've I've put you right off your swing now. I've put you right off your stroke. So you were saying so obviously the the likes of Shock and Awe, the likes of TMT. You see in the um seeing uh, one of the biggest barn burners that you've seen and one of the best fights in in uh, in, in UK's times oh god it was crazy yeah yeah uh, yeah so so we were covering all these sort of shows and uh really getting I don't know if we were getting lucky but seeing these these great fights and I remember Bama were on fire UCM and May were on fire and I remember Cage Warriors all of a sudden was making its comeback yeah uh under Graham Boylan, yeah. And I remember people were sort of anti it. And I remember sort of everybody that I spoke to that were really, really into the scene, you know, like other promoters and stuff, they were like, things are gonna things are gonna kick off at Cage Warriors. Cage Warriors are gonna put on a crazy, crazy show. And then there was a massive war, wasn't there, between Bama and Cage Warriors. But I felt at that time I was the only person talking about Cage Warriors. I felt like I was sort of heralding its arrival. And like I would put posts out and there'd be people within the UK scene coming on and like saying, no, 
it's dead. It's going to be dead in the water. Yeah. But of course, it worked out, and, and it was massive. And I remember I, I got an interview with Graham, who wasn't really he, – he, he wasn't doing interviews and stuff. And, and we got an interview with Graham Boylan because, obviously, he saw that we were talking about it, and we were very interested. And, you know, he and Dean, obviously, a very clever man, was um, – picking up talent from all over Europe and then putting together these most incredible, incredibly com- competitive fights. And so he offered us an interview and, and we could, well, no, he didn't offer it us. We asked and, and, and he obliged, but I think he might've been turning down interviews at the time. So that was, that was huge for us on, on the UK scene. And we had a really good relationship with Bama as well. And yeah, it got really big. We were going to UCMMA. You know, we stopped going to UCMMA in the end because oh, I was struggling. I was struggling with some of the undercard fights on on that show, it, which was a shame because you know Dave O'Donnell was a brilliant host and and he was really really sort of good to us as well. Gave us a lot of access, and he had these great title fights on the show. But it was all just really happening for us. But yeah, we were digging. We were digging around looking for other shows, you know, we were going to Andover, we were heading up to the Midlands, we were we were getting all over the place, finding the shows that we wanted to. Then I guess like we got a bit of a reputation for being um shilly, shilling a bit. It mm-hmm. got mentioned a few times, but like I say, we, we weren't journalists, we weren't we weren't making money or anything. We wanted to cover what we thought was good, what we enjoyed, and that's basically what we did and it was it was really really big for a long 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 time yeah 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 and that's mate that was i i don't know maybe maybe like the early to mid 2010s is is like i'd see you at most shows i was working at like i'd go to a show and ben would be there or or if ben can't be there because of of family commitments if they've got a um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah because because those blasted kids came along and ruined everything yeah it's it's <laughs> those damn Farrelly boys yeah but um if um if you couldn't make it to a show and they had a pay-per-view on you'd be you'd be watching the pay-per-view and you'd be, oh, you'd be yeah. r- reporting off of that and and it's it's um yeah for 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 a long long time Obviously, the game evolved at one point as well, which has has always been a talking point for a lot of people about uh, uh, around the 2015-16 sort of mark, the uh, up in the the fateful night up in Milton Keynes, and oh, then um, yeah, I was involved <laughs> with those guys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was reporting early on that. I didn't go in the end because I I just felt it was getting messy. I felt it was getting a bit strange, and uh, obviously I was offered all access and stuff and then you know there's a lot of good guys involved in that show a lot of really good guys and and yeah that one just went tits up didn't it i didn't go everyone had a blast i I know there's payment issues and and that was a real shame but uh it was a a good night like I, i was i was i was a runner that night and um it was it was a really really good night um as as far as the the fights were really well evenly matched um i had a brilliant brilliant view from the balcony looking down so all the fighters that as they were warming up it was it was quite weird and unique because they were warming up almost in um 
in a suite. So the two suites were next to each other and the, and the fighters are warming up, but you're overlooking the crowd and the and the cage. So you could actually see what was going on as they were warming up themselves. And it, it was just, yeah, it, it was it was just a really, really, really good experience for uh, for for the spectators, for for the people working on it, and for everybody involved over the course of the evening, other than the people who who didn't get paid. So essentially, there was it was just a really good night had by had by most, not by all, by most. There, there were some people that that, <laughs> that wouldn't that didn't like it, but um, yes, yeah. yeah, so I've been. There's so, a lot so, of Sorry, mate. You had Nick Shipshack, you had Nick Shipshack fighting and things like that, didn't you? It was it was a yeah. big deal. Mate, Nick uh, Nick Shipshack, he came back. Um, you had Dean Amasinger fighting that night as well. Um, Louis King and uh, Romy De Silva, they fought a K one fight. Um, yeah, there was. There was yeah, 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 yeah. Mate, it was a it was a real good night. It was a real good night at Bile, but. Um, so um so what for, for you as far as your um your time around the sport ben is, is there any is, is there any like interviews that really obviously you said about graham boylan um having the interview with graham boylan um who else really stood out for you as far as interviewing was concerned it was was there anybody that you really really enjoyed interviewing or anyone that you were surprised that you interviewed oh, fucking michael bisping every time every <laughs> That guy was a gold mine every time. He gave you everything. <laughs> like every bloody thing. I probably did four four interviews with him. Couple of video interviews. Mate, it would just go nuts. He I, I, I don't know why. I felt like me and him got on really well, like when we chatted anyway. And he would just I think I asked him the right questions. And he would just go on and make yeah. great controversial interviews, calling people out for um, steroids, and and it would go mad. So this was getting picked up by the UFC. Our footage was being used on like uh, the the their late TV shows and stuff, and and yeah, Bisping was monstrous for us uh, on the fight side. I got to interview Randy Couture and a few other big guys quite early on as well. And you had people like uh, Benny Carr, uh, a few of the uh, Jim One guys, uh, Molly McGann. You know, I I called Molly McGann early, very, very early. I saw her fighting. I think it was a first amateur fight. And I said, you're special. You're a special fighter. And she called me on that a couple of years ago. She said, um, Ben, she said, it was you. You you told me. You told me I'd get here. Mm. And I, I did. I, I always loved calling future UFC fighters. Uh, Tom Ducanoir as well was one. And, you know, a lot of people didn't have the faith that I had in him. Um, but uh, there, there was other interviews that I did out, outside of. I got a lot of opportunities to rise from. Uh, production companies and stuff so you know one day me and my photographer um got to go up and uh, we would interview well we got the expendables gig so so we went and interviewed like um Arnold Schwarzenegger Sylvester Stallone wow. Jason Statham 
Jet Li, Jean-Claude Van Damme, had, you know, sat down and had cakes and tea with them. Yeah. And just and shoot the shit for two hours, just, which was an unbelievable, unbelievable experience, you know, just hanging out with those, their legends and their stories were just incredible. And yeah, you know, we had strict rules with the photography and the ending stuff. But yeah, we we did a lot of that. We we did a lot of movies. There was like, um... sorry Ben, what what was it like? Like, obviously, as me and you are of a, of, a, of a similar age, we 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 like did most of our growing up in the eighties and nineties. These are these guys were huge influences on us. Like you've yeah, you've nice. just cast it. Yeah, Arnie Sly. Yeah. JCVD, yeah, I interviewed them, and that they were like, Young my guy, inner child would have been Tom booming. Hart. Yeah, um, no, no, it was mad, mate. It was, it, it, it was mad. There was like, oh, just a few of us got this select, select invitation to go to like the Ritz in London and just go in there and sit there and, like I say, we were served tea and cakes and, and it was just like, ask us question, guys. I'll ask us questions, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. There's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arnie, there's uh, uh, Arnold. So, yeah. but there was other stuff like, you know, we. <laughs> I'd, I'd have been like, Arnie, um, uh, uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger, how many times did you have to get kicked in the dick during Total Recall? Because it <laughs> seemed like quite a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. no, it's amazing. Uh, but, you, you know, we got other movies and stuff. I remember, I remember me and my photographer once again, and I think my brother came along. My brother used to, he was actually a, he's actually a qualified journalist, so I thought I'd better bring him along. Yeah. And we, we went to watch like a film, which was filled with uh, fighters and uh, huge Hollywood actors. And we got taken to this like underground cinema in London. I brought Jesse out in the fight along as well, because I've always been quite pally with him. And we were being taken through security doors through uh, into this like underground cinema. And we um, we were given a meal and drinks and then we were taken into this small cinema with great big lazy boys, drinks served to us. And I remember I, I, I went, I just went outside for a drink and a security guard had to take me, God, I don't know how many, five or six floors up, up, up to the roof. Had a little cigarette up there as well, and and there's like you and McGregor up there and Antonio Banderas just having yeah. a cigarette, you know. And I'm just like, all right, guys, how's it going? You all right? And they're like, yeah. who are you? I was like, oh, but just work for a blog. A, <laughs> ben, Ben from uh, Addicted to MMA. Thank you very much. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we know you. No, they didn't say that. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're fine. I've got a. Uh, 55 followers on Facebook. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was mad. A lot of crazy stuff like that was going on. We were getting video games like four months before they came out to test and yeah. getting sent copies of movies and stuff because they wanted us to review it and stuff. And it's hard not to be really favourable with stuff like that because some of them films were shit, Mike. Really shit. <laughs> But, you know, had to sort of get through it. And, um, yeah, no, great experience, great, wonderful, wonderful experiences. 
even like um, a, a lot of the fight shows, you know, like Bama used to really look after me. I did a few bits. Like, I don't know if you remember, you probably don't remember this, but I used to do an article called The South Coast Watch, mm-hmm. which was hugely popular, probably the most popular article that I used to write. And it was chaos. It was crazy. And it was just a, it started off as like a highlight reel of fight shows that had happened on the South Coast. And then I sort of retroed it and then made it kind of trashy and, I would make it like an old 80s movie or something like I would open it with like sequences from the evil dead movies and things like that and and it was absolutely crackers it was just crackers but it was so much fun to write and 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 that became incredibly popular but then I stopped doing the south coast thing in the end and like Bammer approached me and they were like do you fancy doing something with that with us and I was like yeah okay and that was and and, and I did and that was big so then they would like, because I wasn't reporting so much on the shows, they would then not like offer me uh, a couple of seats to come and watch a show or whatever. And I'd go out there with a friend and I'd be put like in the celebrity section, like, well, not the celebrities, but a section where the celebrities yeah. are. And I'd be sort of sat in there with like, uh, you, you know, that level of st- that level of stars that, that, that were in there. There were some good guys. Uh, and then there's like all the reality guys and, uh, you know, I met a few like actors in there, the, and there was the there was that singer, wasn't there, from that boy band that was so huge at the time. So, oh, uh, not uh, di- um, d- uh, not Dale. Um, what were the band called? Boy bands, uh, huge. They still are a bit, but they're all separate. They're all quite big. One of them ran off with Cheryl Crow, uh, not Cheryl Crow, sort of Cheryl Cole. Sorry. And oh, you're talking about the guys from One Direction? Yeah, One Direction, one of the guys. Ah, uh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Surrounded by, like, uh, the the biggest rusky-looking uh, bounces you'd ever seen. <laughs> I'd just sort of be sat there, like, going, ah, strange. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. no, just times. A lot of weird stuff like that went on. Yeah, a lot of weird stuff. Got invited I, to shows in Asia and all paid for but I always turn that sort of stuff down you know as a having a family just couldn't really sort of do that sort of thing yeah yeah I always remember going to um it was Bama uh Tom Watson versus Ninja Hua uh we got seats like on the floor but right at the front uh just before the barriers just before the the B like the the Z Z list celebrities we, we were just we was just behind them and yeah. um it was just like you'd see all the reality TV stars and then the occasional yeah. and just a field of tap out. That's all you'd see. You'd just see a field of tap out T-shirts. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember looking at one guy thinking, I've got exactly that same T-shirt at home. But I, like he's out. He's out <laughs> at this show and it's his going out T-shirt to go to this MMA show. I was using it. I was using it for grappling on the on the Sunday morning sort of thing because I, I knew that that it was fucking eight quid from JJB Sports or whatever it was. And this this mate, yeah. he's a he's a he's a, he's in the celebrity section wearing his tap out t shirt. But it was it's, it's strange when you see that sort of like because all the tap outs and all the um, uh, the affliction and all of those sort of type, even even the clothing brands that were associated with with MMA back then. Um, a lot of that was heavily influenced by like heavier, 
hard like rock style music as well so it was it was that sort of type of person um wouldn't necessarily say emos or anything like that but a a rocky style person rock style person would have or thrash metal style person would have those designs of t-shirts and it was a whole like it's different to what it is today because yeah because you know historically like I go to a boxing show when I was younger. You'd dress smart, really smart, dinner jacket, tight yeah. shirt. And then MMA came along, the North American scene, mm-hmm. uh, for us through the UFC. And it's hoodies and, and yeah, the, the uh, affliction, tap-out T-shirts and stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't want to give tap-out too much of a hard time because the wonderful things that they did for fighters early on. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Caught it was like a forest fire, wasn't it? A tap-out. Yeah. And uh, and I remember like I, I went to a couple of fight shows in Canada. I went to a couple of I went to Montreal to watch Georges Saint Pierre vs GSP two, and I, I went to um, Toronto and I caught the the big show in the baseball venue where Randy Couture fought Chuck Liddell and GSP fought Jake Shields. Crap fight, but an amazing fight card. Aldo vs oh the Canadian lad who beat up. Brilliant, brilliant fight. Brilliant card. And of course, I dressed up smart, like like I do, like I always have yeah. done. And I felt, I felt like a sore thumb in there, yeah, because everybody was wearing hoodies and affliction, basically. But then, you know, the next day I looked around, and everybody in Canada was literally wearing hoodies everywhere. It's part of the style there: hoodies, baggy yeah. jeans, and yeah, yeah. Skate, skater shoes. And I was dressed like a European. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, makes, yeah. A, a, a highly stylish European, though, Ben, I must add. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm quite a smart dresser. I think I am. I might not be. I might look like an absolute idiot, Michael. But <laughs> Well, yeah, I've got to say, though, because, like, we've, when you look at quite a few of the, of, of the more journalistic people from from your sort of era of, of journalism in MMA you had you had yourself um you had Brad Wharton you had um uh, even Ben Cartledge when he was he was a journalist as well you've Thank all you. got you've all got very you've, you've all got very smart dress sense like you can you can pull off a a non-traditional smart get up yeah. you really can i mean i agree I, I, yeah i mean brad with them bleeding trainers i'm with brad at the weekend and, and he's, more yeah, he's, he, he's more out there than me and carlis yeah. <laughs> yeah. me, me and carlis are a bit more demure yeah. brad yeah brad's a peacock isn't he but yeah. still yeah. very dressed up very sharp takes it very seriously i mean i think us three did i mean i think we still may be a little older than a lot of the guys that we were around at the time and um you know obviously I, I i'm not fully sure on cart uh ben cartledge's history in fighting it might be before mma but brad's always been a lover of martial arts and stuff and i think that he he like me had been going to shows for a long sort of time and and likes that you know we, we might not just be as handsome as ben i don't know so we we might have to make up with it with with the clothes I know I'm lying. I'm really uh, yeah, yeah, you'll be. <laughs> it's the beard. You, if you, if you haven't got that power beard that Ben's got, it's, it's all over. It's all over. 
yeah, yeah. But um, it's it's. Uh, I, I I often say like like he's just because he's like one of the best judges in the world. I don't know why he gets all the all the UFCs and I don't get any. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just not fair. It's just not very, fair. Very yeah. good judge. He really is a very good judge. I I think um, he's come under fire. Uh, for certain uh, fights that he's judged, that after a period of time, people have come round and gone, uh, Ben Cartledge was right, you know, he, he, he was right. Sometimes it's not something, judging isn't something that I, I'm very vocal on because I understand from being there that unless you've got that bit of paper in front of you, unless you've got that pencil and you're marking it and marking it and marking it, you can't call a tight fight unless you're doing that. And Ben and his friend Dave Lethaby are two guys that do that. They take it incredibly seriously. And 99% of the time, I think you, you, you'll always find they're on the right side in the end. People come around. It's, Mate, he, it's criteria, he, isn't it? It's following the criteria in a strict level. And, and Mate, I've said it a number of times that even, even if... A good few times, Ben and or Dave have been on the wrong end of a split in in a round or or in a fight. And when I've looked back at it, I side with them. Yeah, because... yeah, this happens with me a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can be sat at home drunk watching fights with my mates, but in, it's natural for me to try to judge it in my head. And then I always feel a bit of relief if it said that they've judged it the same way as I saw it, because I just mm-hmm. think, well, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. But, but it's also, and what I say to a lot of people, like I've, I've got some mates who, who have only been part of the MMA scene or, or have only started following MMA since Connor. It's Connor, yeah. Connor Bialdo is, like you've got people that were MMA fans before Connor Bialdo, yeah. and then you've got people who had never heard of MMA before Conor Vialdo. So yeah. it's it's there's a very clear defining moment for me, in the UK especially. Um, and I've got a couple of mates who, they'll sit there and they'll, they're very much the, the post-Conor Vialdo era fans. And they'll sit there and they'll go, oh, that's bullshit, that, that's a fucking, that, that decision's bollocks, or that decision's this, that decision's that. And I, I quite often say to them, I say, look, you try making a decision when you're sitting there, you haven't got your mate sitting there going, oh, did you see that? Oh, did you see that? Or, or anything. There's you watching the fights, sitting at a table, knowing that whatever, whatever way round you put the 10 and the 9 or, or the 8, seven six whatever it may be whatever way round you put that is going to affect those two people for the rest of their fighting career in my hand is those guys fighting career those yeah. two people in the cage and if i if it's a really 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 razor thin close fight yeah i could be the difference between especially for ben and for dave and for a couple of others that are, that are doing it in the UFC, yeah, that could be the difference between that person going home with enough money for their next fight camp, or going yeah. home without like, especially when they get their their show and win bonuses. Yeah. That could be that that score, that split second decision, 
is the different could be the difference between that person being able to survive for the next six months or not being able to survive for the next six months. Yeah, and there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of weight on the shoulder of judges. People don't really understand that. Yeah. And it's probably something that doesn't leave you for a while. Controversial call, getting called out. I mean, people say horrendous things about judges on online. It's it's sort of everywhere. You guys are out there. You you know, you're in the pit. Yeah. Same for referees as well. It's very, very similar to that referee situation. Hence why I absolutely never once accepted a judging job. And I got <laughs> offered a lot. Uh, I was just like, no, it's not for me. I get, you know, I used to get ridiculed enough on media. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to switch off by Sunday, you know. You guys can't switch off on Sunday. You got yeah. Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday to go. People are asking you, why have you done this? Why have you done that? And there's an obvious answer why you've done it, because I'm following criteria that I've been told to to judge the fight with. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm sure you've given the win, you've given rounds to people that you really didn't want to, because you didn't feel like they were the better fighter, but you follow that criteria that tells you they've won that round. And, I, and I'm sure you feel awful sometimes putting those numbers in that in that box. I know I would, but uh, it's the nature of the job, isn't it? It's not an easy job. And that's the thing. It's you. You look at um, so regardless of what happened in the fight, you look at the 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 biscuit Bisping versus Henderson, the the final fight in that of, of the two. So that that title fight up in Manchester uh, was it Manchester or wherever it was. Um, Bisping Henderson too and you look at those two and even Bisping Anderson so Bisping versus Silver as well you look at Bisping at the end of both of those fights he looks like he's been hit by a train absolutely Ooh. looks like he's been run over and then the train reversed over him and then run, run over him again yeah. that's how bad that guy looked but it's 20 seconds of a fight though wasn't it yeah but he in as the criteria stood he won both of those fights. Absolutely. It's just that it's just that at the end of it. But you could say the same about Ricky Hatton. Ricky Hatton used to cut really, really easily. Um, uh, um, what's his name? Silver as well. Uh, the axe, Vandalay Silver. Um, he towards the end, like he had all that reconstructive surgery because of scar tissue. And scar tissue, shouldn't he? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but he, um, he, he, yeah, yeah. Didn't realise they took they they took the tissue off of his chin. I think in the end, and, and put it all around his eyelids. But um, but he, yeah. <laughs> it's like people cut really. Some people just naturally cut really easily, um, yeah. and. Or mark up GSP, another one marked up really, really easily, and some of his opponents didn't. And people would cry, cry foul. Look at the state of him versus look at me. Dan Henderson even said it at the end of the Bisping fight. Look at him. Look at me. How did he win? Yeah. Well, Dan, he won by the, the criteria. Off. Yeah, yeah. He won by beating you on what the criteria scores, not by oh. one or two strikes. I think there is an argument for Bisping winning the first fight between them two as well. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I, I think I think <laughs> I've always said um, 
I've always said me, me and Brad were having this discussion um, in in the same context of of Bisping possibly won that first fight. Um, I still think Charles Sonnen won won the fight versus Anderson Silva that first fight because he he won. It's not fair. Anderson Silva only won thirty seconds of that whole first fight, where Charles Sonnen won the rest of it. So how could you award it to a guy that only won like thirty seconds of a fight? I think it's just out of order, personally. But he failed the steroid test. Three hundred times over the usual testosterone level, or something insane, wasn't it? <laughs> nobody, nobody was out wrestling Charles on in that night. Nobody, not at all, not at all. Especially not bruised rib silver. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, Charles Son and I got to interview as well. Yeah, and a gentleman he was. I was because because I'm, I'm such a fanboy of Bisping as well. Right? Yeah. When I met him, I was like. Oh, here we go. Here he is. I love a word. He was there with his wife at a show. It might have been in London or something. And I went up to him and I was like, can I get a few words with you, child? Would that be possible? He turns around and he's like, of course you can, sir. And I said, he just called me sir. And then <laughs> what a gentleman that man was. Honestly, he gave us like 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Absolute gentleman of a bloke. And that's when you realise what a big act that guy puts on. And how good at it he was as well. What brilliant man, really brilliant. Apart from the cheating, you know. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like that's that is he. I loved the American gangster, that persona, the American gangster, the bad guy, because he knew from from how well it could sell professional wrestling. Yeah, he did it. I needed to be the heel. I, I'm. There's too many good guys out here. Somebody needs to be the bad guy, and that was that was Chael Sonnen. And yeah, he sold that amazingly. Everybody else, like you, look at some of the other guys who tried to jump on the bandwagon, but they were trying to. He was he was be he was the bad guy personified, whereas they were just being arseholes. Is is the best way to put it. His was acting, but he was stealing vignettes from WWE. <laughs> <laughs> he was stealing vignettes from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. It worked. People have forgotten. He's dealing with a young crowd. Yeah. A young yeah, yeah. But he was pure entertainment, without a doubt. Pure entertainment. I'll never forget that fight that he had with Bisping. And he held him down. But the one thing that I took from that fight was for the final 10 seconds of that fight, Bisping was mounted on him. And Sonnen was exhausted and Bisping was raining blows on him, raining blows on him. Another three seconds and that would have been finished. That, yeah. Bisping would have taken that win, I think. I, th- I think I think technically Sonnen would have won by hurting Bisping's hands on his head. I think I think yeah, we're missing yeah. the whole point here. <laughs> <laughs> undefeated and undisputed, Ben. Undefeated and undisputed. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, he was brilliant. I remember, I remember him doing a fight club um, interview thing in front of the crowd. They're probably the most entertaining one I ever saw, without a doubt, because I used to go to all the fight club stuff. And yeah, he was he was he was pure entertainment that man. Yeah, and a great fight. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, like, moving through the whole the whole addicted addicted side and and the whole going round. So, so where obviously coming towards the end for yourself, Ben, you you were you were 
doing fewer and fewer in-person um, appearances at shows to, to to report on them. You were doing more, um, either either some of your colleagues were going to it or you were you were doing more and more over pay-per-view or something like that. Because obviously family commitments, you, you've, you've now at this point um, got a young family because even now your eldest is just teenage sort of years now, isn't he, your, your eldest? He's 15 on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, oh, wow. yeah. Bloody hell. That makes me feel old. Yeah. That makes me feel old because I I remember when he was just a wee nipper. A wee yeah. wee wee nipper. So um yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think he was like yeah, he must have been three when we first when we first sort of met each other then. So yeah, wow. So so yeah, so as the as the family started coming on board, obviously less and less and, and the hotel started to pick up business as well there was less and less time for you to go out on the road so did you did you purposely start taking a back step from from like the the, the early to mid 20 uh, 2010s sort of time or, or how did it start to wind down for yourself i guess it was probably about five years ago that i sort of stopped really but it was um it was a lot of things mike um yeah there was the family um plus the the obviously we we've got two hotels down here on the island two stunning hotels and we've had them the the hotel our, our main hotel that we're at now we've had 20 years okay and um the more i was sort of away my my wife's an incredible woman right she's an incredible worker she's built she's built these businesses and and they're thriving now. I'm sure you've seen the images. What the place is like. It's it's absolutely breathtaking. This place. Yeah. And we're, we're really really proud of it. But my wife has been like the biggest part of building that. She's a workaholic. She's an incredible mother as well. And um, so the more I was away, obviously the harder it was for her. You know, because living on the Isle of Wight, there's certain dynamics that come with that things that got tougher over the years as well like uh the ferry service getting worse and more expensive <laughs> yeah you know, about the prices of the ferries but it's incredibly expensive so if it's like a bank holiday weekend i'm looking at 250 quid just to get off them back onto the island i'm looking at i can't get off this island for two hours because you gotta get there like three quarters of an hour early i've got to drive to the other side of the island to the ferry and then where the ferry service, because it's privatised, it's been privatised for like a few years now, and they're cutting costs. They they they're not as active, so I would be catching the three a.m. back in the morning on a on a Sunday morning after a fight show, after travelling back all that journey. I'm looking at a ten-hour round trip, and for years, all the years I was doing it, it that gets to you in the end, you know um yeah it was just it was all of these things plus being so tired on a sunday it was i just wanted to sleep you know and i'd get back i'd watch the ufc because i'm still lively from the fight show you know what it's like after a fight show yeah. you don't switch off so i'd get back and i'd watch the ufc till 6 a.m and then i'm no good till 12 the next day and then my wife's racing off into work and she was so good you know she she um put all that side uh put all that time aside for me her day off would be the saturday she'd have the kids to herself all day 
and we're not doing that family stuff. I've got, you know, I've got three kids. My middle boy being very deep in the um, autism spectrum as well. We had some very, very challenging years with him. Um, very difficult times and she needed my support there as well. So, yeah, it just, it became exhausting. So exhausting. And then I'm tired all week. And then it comes to Friday and I'm like, I've got to get up again tomorrow. And I've got to go to Birmingham. Three hours drive from Portsmouth. Two hours to get to Portsmouth. And then I've got to race back. And if I miss that 3 a.m. ferry, I'm on the 6 a.m. And it yeah. was just, and so you, I was losing the social aspect of it as well, which was so much fun. Um, so, yeah, it just, and then I just thought, you know, I've got to focus on the hotels more. Hotels were starting to pick up. After all those years and years of working, we were, we were family run, you know, we, we're not a chain or anything like that. We don't have that level of financial support. We don't get that media support. We're, we're in this alone. Uh, uh, as a family you know with my brother-in-law and my my father-in-law as well um and in and i felt that i had to really support my wife more even though she's tough you know she's she's as tough as randy couture that woman i tell you but she's got to get her sleep as well and and so yeah it started to i started i started to feel like i needed to be home more and I wanted to just become a fan again. And yeah. I still go shows, you know, I, I still go here and there. I don't as much as I probably would like to because the whole traveling aspect, after doing it for so long, driving through central London and all of that madness and stuff, coming from the Isle of Wight, I'm not, I don't drive like you guys on the mainland. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to what you guys are used to. I'm used to being stuck behind three Nissan Micras filled with biddies yeah. staring at the sea as they drive along. And and plus, the call of the island is a very powerful one for me. It's such a beautiful place. Amazing food. You know, food's a big hobby for me. And and even leaving the island start to feel exhausting because it's so relaxed down here. And then, you know, it's like hopping off a roundabout when you're a kid. You know, when you used to get on a roundabout, and you yeah. spin it as fast as you could, and then you jump off it. That's what it starts to feel like leaving the island to me all the time, continuously. And the expense, because we always refused financial support, financial help, because I felt like any penny coming to us was like a penny out of a fighter's pocket, the guy yeah. that really deserved it, or the promoter's pocket that were putting on these shows and giving opportunities to fighters. And the website itself was very, very expensive. And I was taking care of that myself. You know, my writers, they weren't earning money. So they were doing everything out of their own pocket as well. And then I'd pay for like hotel rooms for us and stuff so that we could stay there and we could have a bit of social life to keep it happening to, to make sure my fight still, uh, my um, writers still wanted to continue doing it. And it just got, you know, it just got too much in the end. And I just felt like I, I needed a break from it. And um, from the right side, also the writing side, it was just nonstop writing. It got crazy. So many people asking for our help all the time. I mean, we, we sold tickets at the end of the day for promotions and stuff. 
and other promotions would realise this and and of course they wanted a bit of that action and stuff and everyone was really cool about it but I'm the kind of guy that finds it hard to say no and I yeah. want to help and support and I was now I'll be up till 3am at night every night writing and I'm not a natural writer um, and I and I can't have a single article sound like another article yeah. so I was racking my brain and I could be sat in front of my laptop for two hours and not come up with an opening line and it was starting to have a bit of an effect on me you know what I mean I was, I was starting to drink to get to sleep more and not and being tired around my kids, I was never grumpy. I'm a good dad. Don't worry about that. But you know, I I knew that I had to maintain a healthy lifestyle, particularly as I'm getting a bit older. And the hotels were blowing up. They've been blowing up. They've been booming. So yeah, it just it just sort of stopped. Really, I had a an open you know an an open chat with our team it was a great team great individuals great people still good friends and we all sort of yeah we all like yeah let's knock it on the head it's maybe we'll come back to it one day and i miss it you know i miss it every day sometimes but right now i'm back to being a dad i'm back to being a hotelier and and loving this life again for all the gifts and the the joy that MMA brought me, and it was it was an adventure, a long fifteen year adventure. It's um, it's great what I'm doing right now, and so I'm able to put so much focus now into what we're doing in this hotel, into cooking my family magnificent meals, and yeah. and seeing friends again, and yeah, like I I will go back to writing. I've had offers. But it's got to be on my terms. I can't slip out of that again. Yeah. Where I've got projects queuing up in front of me. And and it's stressing me out. Oh, I don't get that stressed. I'm not a stressy person. Just a little bit of stress to me is is too much. So yeah, that's that's what happened really. It was a lot of things. I, I think I think personally, Ben, if I think the only thing that that could and possibly should draw you out of retirement uh, and 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 having a fresh look at um, uh, at the MMA scene should be something along the lines of maybe more of an investigative journalism type of thing. I think I think you should spearhead the the who is Bakehead Bean. Um, uh, uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> investigation. I, I I knew that year. <laughs> I know who they all were. <laughs> I was thinking. I was talking to um uh when I had I had Ricky and then I had Sledgy on the uh on the on the podcast and yeah. afterwards both of them I was like, damn it, why didn't I put that in there? Why didn't it? So, who do you think was Bakehead Bean? Is I've, I've chatted with all them guys. Right? We all go way back then. Boys. They're good boys. They're good old boys. I don't think they're quite... I don't think they're quite right with who it is. Or if they do know who it is, it's because I told them. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> Sledge and Ricky, they know everyone and they know they know this sport inside out. Those, they're good guys. They're highly intelligent guys as well. But I yeah. don't know if you know as well as I know who that dude is. <laughs> but it's obvious. It's obvious who that guy is. Right, one one day when when that person like when that person passes away, if 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 there's not if there's not a piece in the MMA press about this person was baked bean, it's it will be it will be there'll be people out there like ah damn it yeah, yeah I, I missed should, my chance maybe I should do that one maybe I should do that one <laughs> yeah. but I don't want to. I don't want to do that because it was brilliant. It's and, um, absolutely it amazing that, that. Yeah, it was a big part of the scene yeah because it's obvious who it is I, I can't believe it. it's so obvious <laughs> so sneaky as well so sneaky there was a lot of that going on that was back in the old cage warrior forums and that wasn't it but I liked Bake Bean Bake Bean was cool um, there's always a lot of controversy I, I was in a couple of controversial situations myself and um they, they were unfounded, unfair sort of situations. And i got to say, Baked Bean never came after me, never called me out. I think probably because he knew that my heart was in the right place and I was doing what I was doing for yeah. the reasons. But <laughs> yeah, he must call people out, would he? It was brutal at times, but brutal. Do you remember Johnny Boy Champ? No, but I do remember that there was people putting... The... <laughs> There was people putting um, like uh, like rewards up. If you can get me his IP address, I'll give you a thousand pound. Get me his IP address, and I'll get you a thousand pound. Well, for baked bean. Yeah, for baked bean, they, they had was, they, they, people wanted to crucify him because if because of what he was doing to him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, I mean, it's obvious what he was doing as well, but it was highly entertaining. But it was nothing criminal. It was just like everyone clocked onto baked bean, and um, it was brilliant, really. But I mean, there's, there's even a hint in the name. It's just it's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Boy Champ is one you should do your your research on. Johnny Boy Champ was the king of the media for a long yeah. time. That was the funniest guy on the internet. <laughs> and absolutely, I, I think his profile still exists on Facebook, mate. Yeah, absolute genius that guy was. Yeah, we'll we'll have to look him up. That that might have to be a series, Ben. See that that can be a series that you come back for, Ben. Is is where are they now? All the all the keyboard yeah. warriors from the Cage Warriors forum. So, I was terrified uh... of them, mate. I was terrified of them. <laughs> Everyone just jumped on. It was mad. It was a mad time. It was a good time. That was. Yeah. It was a highly competitive time uh, in the media. I think I said earlier, there were so many great websites, uh, so many really great writers around. It's, it's not the same now. I think in the UK now, what have we got? Um, UK MMA, MMA UK, haven't we? Yeah, got MMA UK. Still going strong. And, you know, Pete Knox, Pete Knox is in charge of that uh, project, isn't he? He deserves, yeah. uh, he deserves, a lot of respect. He he's really kept that going and stuff. The, the the big survivor really, and they were they weren't they weren't up there with like our site and the your MMAs and the fight lounges and and those pages back then. But he sort of straightened them out over the years. Got rid of some dead wood, 
and he's got some great guys on and is it Kate that does the video interviews, the Welsh lad, so his name escapes me, that's really been integral to Welsh MMA and stuff. Yeah, brilliant. I watch a lot of that stuff and, yeah, really excited for them. I hope they keep that going because it's brilliant. If I come back, that's who I'll go. I'll, I'll be knocking on Peter Knox's Yeah, door. yeah, doing a couple of bits for him. Yeah, give us a page, mate. Give us a page and I'll put, I'll put some crazy shit up for you. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what I would, that's definitely, yeah, because I've got a lot of respect for that page. They've really kept it going. I mean, we were running a long time, but I guess they've absolutely destroyed what we did over a period of time, you know. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ben, look, mate, it's, it's great to know that you're, that you still got your fingers in a couple of pies. It's it's great to know that you're still keeping an eye on the scene because, mate, it's, it's seventeen years is a long time for you to be part of the scene, and and you've done the best thing for your family because obviously you you you've you got to you've got to help out with the boy. Well, I say you've got to help out with the boys. All men are like, oh yeah, we help out. We don't help out. We're a vital part of the family spectrum. Yeah. But 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 having claire's back obviously she's 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 doing wonders with the hotel side of it you're helping out on that side you're, you're looking after the boys and so yeah yeah and it's might be it's great to it's great to speak to you again it's been it's been a long time since we've actually spoke and even when we did bump into each other it was just 20 minutes before a show or 10 minutes after a show or something like that shock and awe not last one the one before i went to that um i was like looking around for people i bumped into a few of the old fighters that i used to interview and they're coaches now and we had a good old catch and a little cuddle i was pretty drunk though quite the the last one i remember seeing you at didn't you bring your eldest with you to a sh- to one of the shock and oh, awes. That would have been that would have been shock and awe down in um, Mountbatten. No, no, um, uh, Southsea, one of their smaller shows. No, I'm sure you brought him along to. Oh, uh, what down at um, down at the pyramids? Yeah, the pyramids. That's the only one of the shock and awe contenders. Oh, really? I thought you took him to one of the big shows. No, it would have been that one. Um, because my friend Indy Briar was fighting, wasn't he? Indy Bob yeah. was fighting uh, against another friend from down Bournemouth. Mm. She's referee now, isn't she? So we no, that with- that was that was a big show. That was a big show. So if you're talking about Charlotte, so she, when Charlotte fought uh, yeah, Indy, yeah, yeah, that was um that that was on a uh, I can't remember. It's Southsea. It, no, it must have been Mountbatten. Ah, I tell you what it was. It was when they had to move. Um, they had to move the big show to the the pyramids for whatever reason. They couldn't use the Mountbatten for a reason for some reason, and they had to move it to the pyramids. Yeah, it wasn't in the usual big room. I don't think it was in a bit of a smaller room, and it was kind of a daytime show as well. It was in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the usual shock and awe razzmatazz that you. Mm. Expect. Yeah, yeah. It's still yeah. a great, great fight card, anyway. You know, always yeah. good, isn't it? Yeah, but look, mate. For me, I've got to, um, mate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to bid you farewell. I'm falling asleep as we sit here. But it's, it's, a, but mate, it's been, it's been brilliant. Like going down memory lane with you, Ben, and and having a chat. We are knowing 
like just knowing you over the years, hopefully you can come back in in some way, shape, or form because it's 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 uh, it's, it's it's a lot quieter out there without you, mate. It really is. So. <laughs> well, I'll still be showing up here and there to uh, watch some fights and stuff. But um, yeah, the, the right side, I don't know, maybe an article here and there. I don't know. Tavern shows, a lot of work, a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, but, yeah I, might, I might try and grab you for a beer after a fight show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. certainly going to go to the shop in Oregon, that's for sure, yeah. Mate, come down. I think the next one's in October. So come come on down. Come on down. Yeah. <laughs> or, or up even. Sorry, it's up for you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, <laughs> up from up from the deepest, darkest south of the UK. So uh, Yeah, I know, right up north there in Portsmouth is Yeah. yeah. It's cold, <laughs> it? cold up north, didn't it, for you? Yeah, up in all the way up in Portsmouth. <laughs> I can feel the difference. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a unique weather system down there, mate. We got yeah. lizards and all sorts of stuff, because yeah. they I don't know if you're seeing lizards because of the because of the because of the weather or because of the magic mushrooms, but one of the two. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Who knows? But yeah, no, I, I definitely miss the scene. I really do. I, I miss the highs and the lows of it, mostly highs yeah. and the adventure, the excitement. And I'm so excited for you still being such an integral part of that and and that family nature of it i miss my old team you know big shout outs to you know like mark mogridge chris emmanuel james kappa what a legend that man is and uh graham yeah so, graham finney yeah yeah uh, the old boys from back in the day lee lee rabbi uh all those guys so many so many good guys that put so much time in and everybody yeah. that supported the, the, the websites as well i mean it was massive I mean, I remember waking up one morning to 80,000 hits on an article that we'd put out at about 2 a.m. in the morning. 8 a.m. the next morning, it had gone crazy and sort of all over the world and stuff. And, yeah, such a brilliant adventure the whole thing was. Yeah. And anybody that wants to sort of get into that media social side, hit up uh, MMA UK because – you know, it's media. There's always open doors for it. They need support. If you support a site like that, you're going to support fighters. You're going to support promotions. You're going to help sell those tickets. We we will get a wealth of new young fighters coming through the country with all that extra support. So yeah. everybody should think about. And I'm sure if yeah. anybody wants to get into judging, they should come see you, and you can give My- some advice. And you know. So definitely on. from the from the emma set up we're um we're, we're we're ideally set up now to try and help new officials coming through um it's, it's um yeah 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 we would definitely help out anyone that wants to get involved um even myself dan uh damo hevi um Mohidi, sorry sam amidi um yeah uh, all, all praising our god our lord and savior mark goddard if you uh yes. if you want to if you want to take if you want to take your first step go on to uh Oh, I'm gonna. He's gonna kill me now because I'm not gonna know the correct. Um, correct. Mark has his own website. Uh, Goddard. Uh, oh God, I've got it somewhere. <laughs> They're all great guys, though, aren't they? They're all yeah. great guys. They really are. Yeah. I've got to get that in there before he before he tells me off now. Uh, GoddardMMA.com. You can go on to GoddardMMA.com. You can find out how to become an official, uh, do his online course. Um, the master. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, mate, he is, he's he's our our Lord and Savior, Mr. Mark Goddard. Um, but it's um, but mate, look, it's it's been brilliant. If if anybody wants to follow the uh, the the not so much the MMA side of 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 uh, of Ben Farrelly, but the um, the maybe the culinary delights or the occasional whimsical comment that comes through on Facebook that 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 reminds everybody of the good old days. What's what's the way for them to follow you, Ben? Well, I guess you could just follow me on Facebook, I suppose, or Instagram. I'm just Benny from the block, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been on there for a while. But I do mostly just cook and I still follow fighting and I still got a bit of a funny bone. I do a little bit less comedy these days, but, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll start doing a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, Ben, it's been amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for, uh, for oh, coming yeah. on. Oh, once uh, an absolute premier hotel holiday in the LOI. Check out Luckham Hall Hotel. That's uh, the and and if you want to, have you got the have you got the pool up and running again now? Mate, have you seen it? I've I've seen your pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it on the Isle of Wight, mate. That is 200 tons of concrete we've put in over like the last six months, and yeah, yeah it's a, a huge, huge investment. A huge investment, but it is absolutely amazing. I'll be having a professional photographer in the next couple of days and then the proper images will be released it's warming up at the moment it's warm <laughs> it's, warming up. it's uh, warming up as we speak no we've got two beautiful outdoor pools and an indoor pool but the new one there's nothing like i don't think i've ever seen a swimming pool like it not in this country and mate, the gardens as well. Like I know this is we're turning into a travel program now, Ben. But, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but the gardens as well, like so, the the yeah, views from some of the from, from some of the suites you've got, some of the like junior suites that you've got, the views across the gardens that then look out across uh, Shanklin Bay as well. Like some of the pictures you put up are, are absolutely gorgeous. It's stunning, mate. It's a twenty-year labour of love this place has been, but it, the rooms are amazing, mate. They're they're mm -hmm. all wired into the internet. They're all so modern with everything you could imagine. It's a flawless, it's a freaking flawless hotel. We're so proud of everything that we've done. But yeah, mm -hmm. four and a half acres of the most beautiful gardens and three swimming pools, 25 jacuzzis. We just got, we got it all here. Live entertainment every night, the best singers on the Isle of Wight, best musicians. It's amazing, mate. It's an amazing. But place. more importantly, there's only one Benny from the block. So it's yes, uh, yes. the boogeyman, as they used to call me. <laughs> <laughs> ben, give it, give us, give us that website again, mate. Uh, Luckham Hall. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. Luckhamhall.co.uk, something like. Just Google Luckham Hall, or check check it on Facebook. You'll see it. It's it's breathtaking. Uh, Luckham Hall Hotel on on in Shanklin on the Isle of Wight. But mate, Ben. Thank you very much, mate. It's it's been it's been a pleasure going down memory lane with you. And um Thank you again, mate. Yeah, nice one. Huge thanks again to Ben for joining me on this episode. He always saw himself as more of a blogger than a journalist, preferring to lift the story off the page rather than just print on it. Let's hope he does make a comeback, even in just a limited capacity. Next time, I'm joined by ex-professional fighter Joe Lawrence. Joe will take us through his journey from ABO boxing to realising his dream of competing at the NEC for Bama. <laughs>